This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin with a program which aired from June of 1949 to May of 1951. It centered on Candy Matson, a female private investigator with a wry sense of humor and a penthouse on Telegraph Hill in San Francisco. Now, the program was notable for having a striking female character without a trace of squeamishness, as well as a veiled gay character in Candy's best friend, Rembrandt Watson, voiced by Jack Thomas. Candy's love interest was police detective Ray Millard, voiced by Henry Leff. The announcer was Dudley Manlove. The series concluded with a twist ending when Ray finally proposed to Candy, who accepted, and with her getting married, she retired from the detective business. It was created by Monty Masters and starred his wife Natalie Parks as Candy Matson. When Monty Masters created the show... He planned to star in it himself as a male private detective, but his mother-in-law convinced him to change the lead to a female, which led to his wife being the star. And now the episode, The Cable Car Race. Hello, Yukon 28209. Yes, this is Candy Matson. Do you have a little unsolved murder in your home? Got some blackmail you want to unload? Are you the victim of some vulgar extortionist? I know a girl you should meet. She may not be the greatest private eye in the world, so what if it does cost you three or four hundred dollars? She sure is sweet. She's Candy Matson. Like to meet her? Hello. Candy Matson. Well, I wasn't sure when I looked in the mirror this morning. Had a rough night, eh? Oh, there have been rougher ones. Look, voice, before you get caught with my receiver down, who are you and what do you want? As to who I am, you'll find out very shortly. What I want is you. How romantic and over the phone yet. Let me finish. What I want is you to lay off that cable car business. Oh, that. Well, I'm afraid I can't. You see, I was sitting beside him when they discovered his transfer had been punched sort of permanently. <laughs> That's how things happen with me. I get into the craziest routines. You see, I used to be a model. I've been told I have the proper displacement for such a career. But I found there wasn't enough money in it. A girl has to maintain a nice apartment on Telegraph Hill, keep enough clothes to highlight the uh, displacement I mentioned, and also eat, doesn't she? Sure. So I turn private eye. You meet a better class of people, mostly named Rigor or Mortis. 
Now take this cable car deal. It's positively fantastic. But after all, this is radio, isn't it? Like to hear how the whole thing happened? Leave us trip along to Act One. I wanted to get downtown that morning, but I couldn't take the F car on Stockton. They were ripping up about 87 streets, which is par for the course. So I walked down Telegraph Hill and up to Mason. That's where the Bay and Powell cable car stopped. All aboard! Come on, Lana, show that shapely ankle. We gotta make the Fairmont by Whitsuntide. The car was loaded, and so was the character next to me. I tried to budge into the seat between him and a fisherman's wharf dowager, but I couldn't quite make it. I'd forgotten my shoehorn. Say, pardon me, but would you mind reading your Wall Street Journal over that away a bit? I'd like to sit in here. Oh, if you insist. A knight of old. He budged his hips a quarter of an inch, and I slipped in, ready for my rocket ride over the hill and down into town. The trip, as usual, was uneventful. Three smashed fenders and several choice words I'd never heard before, but I wrote them down. By the time our prairie schooner reached the turntable at Market Street, the crowd on the car had thinned out. But uh, Buster was still beside me, his head buried in common and preferred. Market Street! I started to get down. Hey, lady, take your boyfriend with you. We're heading back up the hill. Boyfriend? I'll sue. He looks like the advance man for Lewis and Clark. How do you like that? He fell asleep over his stocks and bonds. I looked again. Hipsy wasn't asleep. Hipsy was stone cold dead on market. What a twist. I, who always went on the prowl for a whodunit, got one literally tossed into my lap. He just hadn't gone out of this world serene-like. Oh, no. There was a steady slurp-slurp of blood trickling down his vest just north by northeast of the equator. After a half-hour wait full of questioning by homicide leg men, I knew my morning shopping tour was rained out. And after all, I was only going to buy an emerald clip to match the glint in my eye. Well, that would have to wait. I knew the next step. I grabbed a cab home. I wasn't long in waiting. Right on cue. And if it was the right cue, it would be Lieutenant Ray Mallard from headquarters, daintily pressing his cuticles against my apartment buzzer. I was right. What? I've been expecting you. Come on in, Mallard. You've been expecting me. Why, Candy? Naive little rover boy, you. Have a drink? No, no, I'm not in the mood. Uh, just make it a double. Sit down, Mallard. Let's be civilized. Take off your hat. It is off. Oh? <laughs> Candy, for once I'm puzzled. You're just saying that. Yeah, because it's true. I've checked and rechecked. No matter how many loose ends I tie together, I still get no connection between you and Dwight Ellsworth. Dwight Whosworth? Ellsworth. Your extremely limp traveling companion on the cable this morning? Mallard, I can give you an angle on that. Yeah? Yeah. The angle being that I didn't know him from Adam. Level? Straight. Oh, look, honeypot, this mediocre dialogue is getting us nowhere. What did you haul your size 11s in here for? Oh, frankly, I don't know. Uh, here, fill it up, will you? Well, you're not just going around in circles, Mallard. You're going around in doubles. Yeah, yeah. Like I've said before, Candy, you've got a pretty view from here. Oh? Wait till I turn around. I mean from your window. Look at that ship down there, just docking. Hmm? Where? Down there. There's oh. romance for you. 
probably just in from the Far East. Here's your drink. Oh, thanks. You know, it is sort of romantic. Don't you think it'd be fun to jump on a tramp like that and whisk off to the South Seas? Hmm? On a honeymoon? No. That's what I thought. South Seas. Mallard. Don't call me Mallard. Why not? We're just playing for ducks, aren't we? Oh, very crisp. Playing for ducks. No candy, we aren't. Not in this case. We got a dead man in our hands, Rudy Toot Toot, shot right through the heart. And you were sitting next to him. Sure, sure. Go on now, get out of here. What? You heard me. Lift your hindquarters and get back to headquarters. Candy, I don't like that look. You've got something on your mind. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't recognize it if I told you about it. Uh, one word of warning. Don't dabble. You're in deep enough. Got it? Got it. Here's your hat. Grab it. So long, Mallard. See you around a jailhouse sometime. I fool fum. Twas then I smelled a big fat fee. That great, big, kind of attractive Mallard. He missed the boat. Oh, he saw it, but he missed it. It was that ship he saw docking. That was the first time I came out of the dark since my Toonerville ride down the hill in the morning. I needed help, so I called an old friend of mine, if you can call that help. Rembrandt Watson was his name. He was a photographer and other things. He spent most of his life in the dark room dabbling with bottles. His negatives and prints were sharp. His thought processes, not quite. But he'd given me assistance in the past, so I called him. Rembrandt Watson speaking. Photography, portraits, and camera work. Yes, Rembrandt, I know. Also available for gardening, janitorial service, and babysitting. Rembrandt, it's candy. Especially at the over 21. Who? Candy? Now you're tuned in. How dare you, baggage. I was experimenting with a new type of formula. 90 proof for 100. 100. And candy, it works beautifully. There's a delightful little pixie in a pink ballet skirt in my living room. Well, leave her there and get over here immediately to my place. Take a cab. I'll pay for I'd it. I'd much rather have a handsome carriage with a brace of chestnuts. You've got them in your head. Now just do as I say and get over here. Float in, Rembrandt. Gadfrey, where's the man to take me cloak, gloves, and topper? You're wearing a sport coat and slacks, and you know I have no man. And therein lies your basic trouble, my dear. You have no man. Now, Rembrandt. Every man should have a woman. Every woman should have a man. It's the incontrovertible law of the universe. Candy, you should have a man. You Sure, I'm no longer a man. I'm Sprite, transcending the world Well, and... stop transcending a moment and come down to Earth. We've got a job to do. How poetic. How idyllic. We've got a job to do. Uh, for money? Eventually. Oh, one of those. Very well, my dear, bring me up to date. Well, I, I don't really know if I can or not. Good, and I shall leave and return to me formula. Oh, no, what I mean is the whole story is so fantastic you'd never believe it. I might. Try me, Candy. Well, I get on a cable car and sit next to a character reading the Wall Street Journal. A strange coupling. A cable car and the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And when we get to the end of the line, my friend next to me is dead. Probably the ride down the hill frightened him to death. Uh Uh-uh. He looked like a used punch board. He had a neat little bullet hole through his heart. Candy, my little ballerina friend in the pink skirt is more believable than what you just told me. I told you it was fantastic, but none of how it happened. Now, sooner or later, Mallard is going to come out of his fog. 
And when he does, I'm going to be out of a fee. A fee that so far doesn't exist, my pretty. It will, if my hunch is right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Go down to the Chronicle and get all the back files you can on Southern Island Steamship Company. The Chronicle? A pleasure. I have a few questionable companions there who indulge in formulas. Stay away from those companions and just do as I ask. Very well, my dove. I go, but entirely against my will. And where will you be? Around town, Rembrandt. I've got to do some legwork. Let me assure you, Candy. You have just the right equipment for it, too. What a joint. I'll bet they mount slit gullets on the walls instead of deer heads. Well, come on, Candy. Get your tools out and screw up your courage. Yeah, miss, what'll it be? Uh, nothing right at the moment except information. Information, water, both free. What do you want to know? Well, I'm, I'm looking for the purser off the of Dwightsonia. I hear he does his shore duty in here. Uh, that's right. Name Campbell. That head on the table over there belongs to him. Mm, thanks. Hello, sailor. Hey, Campbell. Wake up. Mm. Oh, leave me alone. Come on, snap out of it. Uh, who are you? What do you want? My name is Candy Matson. I want to ask a question. No, I'm only drinking. Go away. Not until I find out what I want to know. Dwight Ellsworth was murdered this morning. What? I thought that would bring you to. Uh, well, that's the nicest news I've heard since VJ Day. What do you want to know? Where did his brother live? That stooge. He's got about as much spine as a water eel. Never mind. I want to find him. He seems to keep his whereabouts as secret as an atomic stockpile. Uh, the whole family ought to be knocked off. Uh, he lives out in Seacliff, 25 Dashell Road. Good. A bartender, buy my friend a little reward. And one for yourself, too. Well, so far, so good. Oh, how did I know about Campbell the purser? Well, you see, I have quite a few friends, most of whom my pal Mallard doesn't approve. So I grabbed the cab and navigated the driver out towards Seacliff. It was so foggy I couldn't see the meter. But I paid him anyway, gave him a neutral tip and dismissed him. There it was, 25 Dashell Road. An austere-looking cabana, one that dared you to ring the front doorbell. I dared. I had the awful feeling I should have been around at the side door delivering hand laundry. Good evening. Well, except for the fog, yes. Uh, is Mr. Ellsworth in? Yes, he is. But I'm afraid I must ask you to leave. There has been a death in the family. I know. That's why I'm here. Come in, please. Thank you. Walk this way, please. Oh, I'm afraid I, I couldn't. Even if I live to be a hundred. Mind your tongue, young lady. You're in the house of an Ellsworth. Oh, hoity toity. The old babe had delusions of grandeur. Well, no need to get uppity with me. I've mingled with royalty. I once played a bit part in a Rita Hayworth picture. But this old gal was really something. She couldn't have been more than 45, yet looked like something out of the barracks of Wimpole Street. She ushered me into a large ceilinged living room, and there on the divan was my boy. His head lowered into his hands and quite obviously touched. Quite obviously. 
Roger, this young lady is here to see you. I don't believe you mentioned your name. Candy Matson. Matson. You in shipping, too? Mm, of a sort. Oh, uh, this is my wife, Miss Matson. You'll pardon me if I don't seem hospitable, but my brother was murdered this morning. I know. I was sitting next to him when it happened. You were? Don't talk to her, Roger. I don't trust her. This whole thing is a threat of some kind. No, it's not a threat. It's a business proposition. I'll come right to the point. You see, I'm a private detective. Oh, one of those persons. Put your nose back down, Mrs. Ellsworth. I want to get the show on the road. Yes, I'm a private detective, and I'm in a spot, too. The police think I'm connected with the case in some way, so I'm here for a double purpose. I'm listening, Miss Madison. Roger, I forbid you to speak with this, this woman. Too late, Mrs. Ellsworth. Now, this is it. I'm in this business to make money. Give me a check now for $300, and I'll find out who killed your brother. And I'll also clear myself. Roger, I'm warning you. Naturally, you want to see the killer of your brother brought to justice, don't you, Mr. Ellsworth? Don't you? I... Yes. Yes. Here, I'll make a check out right now. Thank you. Just make it out to Candy Matson. Payable today. A lovely collection of guns you have, Mr. Ellsworth. You hunt much? Mm. Oh, yes, yes. My wife and I are quite fond of shooting. Uh, she's an excellent shot. Ah, there you are. Thank you. I'll be in touch with you sometime tomorrow. Mr. Reed didn't say a word. She just stood there against the fireplace and shot sparks through me. After I waved the check in the air a few times to dry the ink, she showed me to the door. Very clever, aren't you? Taking advantage of a weak-willed man. I wonder who made him that way. Don't cash that check. I mean it. Don't cash that check. Mrs. Ellsworth, $300. I need the money, badly. I need some new rolls for my player piano. I buzzed back downtown. I wanted to cash that check in a hurry. I knew of only one person who would give me the crisp green at that hour of the night. Uncle Charlie, the honest miller who ran the chase room. Uncle Charlie, in the strict sense of the word, was a gentleman. So with a tender little pat on my cheek, he cashed the check and I went up Telegraph Hill and home. All of a sudden, my eyes did a couple of inverted loops. All my lights were on. Who's in here? All right, speak up. Oh, Candy, the light of my oh. life. Come join our party. Oh, Rembrandt, you gave me a scare. You don't scare easy what? either, Candy. Got something on your mind? And Mallard. Well, how ducky, a midnight soiree. What goes on here? Well, that chicken you had in the icebox is delicious. Was delicious. Looks like you've done everything but eat the bones. Your vintage is superb, too, Candy. Have a little formula? No. Now, now come on, what gives? That's my line, Candy. What gives? You're in on something, and I want to know about it. Oh, Mallard, believe me, it, it's nothing. I, I'm, I'm just trying to parley a couple of hunches. Tall hunches. Look at all those clippings on the South Sea Island Steamship Company. What are they for? I meant to tell you, Candy, I had remarkable success down at the Chronicle. There's everything you want on that steamship line. Now, oh, Rembrandt, did you have to tell the whole world? Candy, you chide me unnecessarily. I merely had the clippings on the table when Hawkshaw here walks in on me. Okay, Candy, take it from there. I can't tell you yet, Mallard. Nothing makes sense yet. I, I've got about four loose ends that need tying off. If I'd only put two men to following you, I'd save myself a lot of grief. Two days, that's all, Mallard. Just give me two days. I think I'll have it for you. All right. But don't forget, the boys down at Kearney Street headquarters don't love you the way I do. 
Two days. No more or less. I gotta go. Thanks for the foul, chicken. Ah, very gay. Here, Rembrandt, here's $50 for you. Fifty? My word. What's all this talk about a recession? Go on and take it. Go someplace and stabilize the economy. I whipped through the old newspaper clipping. It was all there. Fire at sea on Ellsworth ship. Two seamen lost off Ellsworth ship near Honolulu. South Sea Island line ship loses rudder in storm. On and on it went over a period of three years. I threw the papers back on the table. Helped myself to some of Rembrandt's formula. Turned down the lights and went out on the porch. The bay was dark except for an occasional path of light from a passing freighter. I sat down to think and think. Then, quick, quick, just like that, two little tumblers in my mind fell into place. Only one thing to do, and that was to do it the hard way. The next morning, just as the ferry building siren was announcing 8 o'clock to downtown San Francisco, I got Rembrandt on the phone. Candy, what on earth are you calling me for at this hour? Can't help it. There's work to be done. I did my work last night so extremely well that I'm just going to bed now. Sorry, you'll just have to delay your sack time. Meet me at the corner of Mason and Union in ten minutes, right where the cable car stops. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to take a cable car ride. What? One of those... Bouncing, jerky little contraptions. Not the way I feel this morning. Oh, yes, you are. Union and Mason in ten minutes. All right, Rembrandt, get on. This is the silliest thing you've ever done, Candy. Maybe. We'll see. Dwight Ellsworth was already on the car when I got on here. And alive. How could you tell? He mumbled something when I asked him to move over. Sounds logical. Although I once remember stumbling into a corpse who mumbled for hours after it'd been liquidated. Mm, Rembrandt was in one of his rambling moods, so I let him alone. The car pulled over Mason Street, down Washington, and then swung on to Powell and up the hill. Now I watched the buildings and apartments carefully. There was a little red brick building, now a big apartment house a woman's residence club, and so on. Then over the hill, more apartments, and the possibilities petered out at Bush. Well, only one thing to do. Canvas all those blocks between Washington and Bush. Okay, Rembrandt, off the car. The strangest corpse I ever did see. Uh, what'd you say, Candy? Off the car, come on. Now what? I just want to get to bed. Well, not for a long time, Boy Blue. Now here's the pitch. You take this building, and I'll take the next. We'll alternate as we go along. Ask if a tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria ever lived around here. Oh, Candy. I know it sounds wild, but it's got to be done. A horse with a tall face and dressed something like... Oh, Rembrandt, look at me. Get that smoke out of your brain. A tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria. You got it? Got it. Okay, get going. It was slow and tiresome. And the answers I got. A tall gal dressed like Queen Victoria. Oh, sister. That was about par. Nope, nobody like that ever lived here. Are you positive? A dame who fits that description? Yeah, I'm positive. The morning wore on and so did we. We were over on the other side of California Street now, so we stopped and had a bite to eat. I had pickles with mine and Rembrandt had olives on toothpicks in a glass. 
And again, we picked up the hunt. My heart was suddenly making with a rumba. There, just on the other side of Clay, in front of a three-story red brick house, was a police squad car. There was a little knot of people gathered around. Daintily lifting my crinoline, I did a Mel Patton down the block and up the front steps. I didn't have any trouble finding the room. The door was wide open and there was a body on the floor. Four representatives of the law were buzzing back and forth. One of the buzzees was Mallard. Well, my little ambassador of violence. Why is it you're always around the extremely dead, Candy? I've got no time to brandy the ad libs, Mallard. Who is it? I don't know yet. No identification. Let me see. <laughs> huh. A pen pal, maybe. I was right. I knew it. Knew it? Knew what? You're right. He was a pen pal. He wrote me a check last night for $300. His name is Roger Ellsworth. <laughs> Very interesting. Must be open season on Ellsworth's. Okay, Candy, time you filled in in the blanks. Start. Wait a minute. I want to look at the window over here. Mm-hmm. Mallard, there are a couple of younger Ellsworths living around town here. I'm sure you'd like to see them stay healthy. Yeah? Get out to 25 Dasher Road and pick up an old crone also named Ellsworth. Five will get you 20. She's the one you're after. Uh, all right. But you get back to your place and stay put, understand? I want to have a more illuminating chat with you. Oh, Mallard, I'm, I'm just like putty in your hands. The moon was coming up over Diablo and spraying a path of silver on the bay. Still no Mallard. I wondered what could be wrong. Well, this was it. This was the showdown. Have you seen a tall face with a horsey woman? Oh, Rembrandt. Candy, I'm so mad at you, I could... Oh, what's the use? Now what's the matter? What's the matter, she says. I've been roving all over Powell Street, ringing doorbells. Where did you go, you traitor? Oh, Rembrandt, I'm sorry. In, in the excitement, I forgot all about you. What excitement? There's been another murder. In a moment, there's going to be another... I'm looking right at you, Candy. Oh, cool off. Have some formula and stop snorting steam. <gasps> what was that? Your window, Candy. It just shattered. What? Oh, wait a minute. That window didn't shatter by itself. Quick, get the lights, Rembrandt. Now duck down here. What sort of a silly game are we playing now? This isn't a game, believe me. Candy! Candy, are you all right? Yikes, it's the gumshoe. Yes, I'm all right. Where are you, Mallard? Over here. Two houses over. We've got your girlfriend trapped on the roof next to you. Don't move and stay covered. Okay. All right, Mrs. Ellsworth. Are you coming down peacefully or do we have to play cops and robbers? I'm not coming down until I get that candy match. She did it. She forced me to kill my own brother-in-law. Have it your own way. Okay, loosen her up a bit, boys. Better than the 4th of July. Keep your head down, Rembrandt. Oh, is that what was up? Ready to come down, Mrs. Ellsworth? No, I'm not. That hateful woman! She's ruined my whole life! All my plans! Just because of her snooping and prying! She's going to die, I tell you! It was a miracle, Candy. You must have moved slightly just as she shot at you. 
Well, it was too close, I can tell you. She's dead? Oh, decidedly. I think she was dead before she hit the ground. That one shot got her. We went out to her house, and she was just driving off when we got there. We trailed her up to North Beach, lost her for a block, and then spotted her car at the top of the hill here. We arrived just as she was getting on the roof next door. Okay, now you tell me your little dream. Well, it was that ship docking that set my wheels going around. The name Ellsworth started burning in back somewhere. Mm-hmm. You saw the clippings we dug up. Yeah. The South Sea Island steamship lines were slowly being sabotaged. I did some checking, and I, I found that the insurance companies weren't going to renew. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't tie that in sooner. Oh, it's just that you have too many things on your mind, Mar- Mallard, dear. <laughs> I went out to the place on Dashiell Road, and when I left, I was pretty sure the old girl had knocked off her brother-in-law. Why? Well, for several reasons. One, she was a venomous old witch. Two, you've never seen such a collection of guns in all your life. And her husband admitted she was a darn good shot. I also saw one little pot gun that was very interesting. It had a silencer on it. Uh-huh. That was the one she used on you tonight. And also the one she used on Dwight Ellsworth from the window of that apartment where you found her husband. How do you know? Go back there. You'll see a nice little bullet hole in the curtain with burned powder all around it. Now, don't tell me that... Yes, I'm telling you that she rented that place knowing that her brother-in-law always went downtown on a certain cable car. She waited that morning until we were riding by, and she plugged him. I have now heard everything. And the reason? Dwight Ellsworth, rather than fighting the insurance companies, had decided to sell his steamship line. But the old gal thought she'd beat him to the punch by knocking him off. The steamship company would then fall into her husband's hands. Ah. What about her husband? Well, after he gave me the check and I left, they evidently had a fearful row, and she spilled the beans. Somehow she lured him down to that place on Powell and... Gave him some lead poisoning, too. And that's all there is to it. Candy, I wish you'd have told me all these things earlier. We might have been able to save the life of Roger Ellsworth. Mm, it wouldn't do any good. Because if she hadn't killed him, I was going to. What? Mm-hmm. While I was waiting for you to get here, the phone rang. It was Uncle Charlie, the honest miller. That no good Roger Ellsworth. His check bounced like a brand new golf ball. <laughs> What's so funny, Mallard? <laughs> Listen in again to the further adventures of Candy Matson, Girl Sucker. Well, that's the way it goes. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. In this case, nobody did. Except Rembrandt. He'd stocked his darkroom with $50 worth of formula. And not the kind you use on negatives, either. Let's see... Murder on a cable car, Dwight and Roger Ellsworth done in as well as the old gal. One check that bounced. It really does sound fantastic, doesn't it? But I told you this was radio, didn't I? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I did come out ahead at that. On the way out, Mallard leaned on and kissed me. The first time it ever happened. You know, at times, it's kind of fun to be in the arms of the law. Listen again next week at the same time. For excitement and adventure, just dial... Candy Matson, Yukon 28209. Heard tonight were Helen Cleave, Jack K. Hill, and Harry Bechtel, Jack Thomas as Rembrandt, and Henry Leff as Mallard. The program stars Natalie Masters as Candy and is written and produced by Monty Masters. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. 
Time now for Harold Perry to star as the Great Gildersleeve. And the episode aired in 1942, The Golf Tournament. The makers of Papstep present each week at this time, Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve, written by John Wheaton. And now let's join our friend, the great Gildersleeve, who's brushing up on his golf game in preparation for the finals of the annual Labor Day tournament at the Summerfield Country Club. On the eve of the great event, we find him in his living room, behind the sofa, addressing the ball with a mashie. Well, now, let me see. This is a very difficult shot. Excuse me. Quiet, Bertie. Never talk to anybody when they're making a golf shot. Yes, excuse me. Yeah, now watch this. If you ever get in a trap, Bertie, there's just one thing to remember. Oh, I keep out of traps. Yes. The thing is, you want to get under the ball and give it plenty of backspin. Now watch this. This is what we call a chip shot. You. Chip shot, huh? What do we do with the chips? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What's Miss Marjorie going to say when she sees what's happened to her baby? Well, those things shouldn't be left lying around on mantles. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I know something that'll look a lot better up there anyway. What's that? A nice big silver cup with my name on it. Oh, yes, yeah, so that would go good. Oh, by the way, Miss Gilsey, Miss Marjorie said to tell you we're putting you in the sewing room tonight. It's the sewing room? Why? What have I done? She said she's going to put Mr. Ferris in your room. Who's Mr. Ferris? I don't know, but he's a gentleman who's going to sleep in your room. Where am I expected to sleep? On the floor? Oh, no. You're going to have Leroy's camp car. The one that folds up. It folds up. (laughs) (laughs) Suppose you get the broom and uh, sweep up these uh, divots, Bertie. How soon is dinner? I'm starving. Oh, any time now, Mr. Gilsey. We're just waiting for Mr. Farris. Yeah, Mr. Farris again. Well, I'm hungry enough to eat a horse. What are we having, Bertie? Oh, we're having calf's liver. Have we come to that? And mashed potatoes. And fried eggplant. Fried eggplant. Yes. You know I can't stand eggplant, Bertie. It it makes me break out. Yes, I know it, but Miss Marjorie said Mr. Ferris just dotes on eggplant. Well, I don't dote on Mr. Ferris. You can tell him that, whoever he is. Yes, I'll do that. Excuse me now, Miss Gilsley. I got to see what's cooking. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't let anything happen to that eggplant. Eggplant, sewing room. I don't know why we have a sewing room anyway. There hasn't been any sewing done in this house for 20 years. Uh, that you, Marjorie? Good evening, Uncle Moore. Listen, what's this thing all about? Say, you're really done up tonight, aren't you? <laughs> you like it? Yeah? Uh? I got it for the dance. It only costs $10 more than my allowance, especially reduced. Uh, you haven't told me whether you like it. Well, you haven't given me a chance. Uh, turn around, my dear. <laughs> well? Marjorie, come kiss your dear old uncle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You do like it, then. Honey, you look like a million dollars, specially reduced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad. There's only one thing. 
Uh, you don't think that dress is a little, uh... First, uh... Oh, don't be old-fashioned, Uncle Mort. Uh... I bet probably every girl at the dance will be wearing a dress like this. Mm, maybe I'll change my mind and go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please do. It's going to be such fun. No, no, my dear. I've got to get my sleep. i got to be in the pink tomorrow. Oh, come on. No, you and Doug go ahead and have a good time. Oh, I'm not going to the dance with Doug. If you're not? No. Why not? Well, Doug and I have just had an understanding, that's all. You uh, mean you're not speaking? No, it's all perfectly friendly. Oh, brother, that's worse. <laughs> well, uh, who is taking you to the dance? I'm going with Leroy. Leroy? You didn't buy that dress with all those to go to the dance with Leroy. And another thing, since when does Leroy go to dances at night? I don't ever... Leroy? Oh, hello, Uncle. Come back here, young man. Yes, Where did you get that necktie? Uh, upstairs. No, I thought so. Suppose you take it right back upstairs. Yes, sir. Oh, by the way, can I go to the dance tonight? If, what do you mean, by the way? I mean, can I? Why do you ask me? You seem to be going. Oh, gee, thanks, Uncle. I'll sweep out the whole garage tomorrow. Well, see that you get back here by 10.30. Oh, okay. I'll sweep out the school shed. Say, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to ask you how you came out in the tournament today, Uncle Moore. Oh, the tournament? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. I... I played Judge Hooker in the finals tomorrow. Judge Hooker? Yeah. Well, the judge must have improved his game. No, uh, he's improved his handicap. I think they added in his age or a social security number or something. <laughs> oh, you can beat him. Yeah. Why don't you come to the dance? After all, he's coming. I don't trust that old goat. He's just the type who would sneak home early and go to sleep. Besides, we got a good bet on this game. Two dollars. <laughs> well, you're going to miss the best dance the club's ever had. That's right, Unc. And you know all the trouble we had over the band. Well, guess who we finally got? I don't know. Who? They got Bill Farris. No. Yes. Who's Bill Farris? Margie, tell them who Bill Farris is. He's a band leader. He plays the trumpet. It's... Just probably the greatest trumpet player in the world, that's all. Next to Maury Haynes. I never heard of him either. Oh, you have too, Uncle Mort. You know that record, I Don't Want to Walk Without You, Baby? My auto, you played it night and day for three months. <laughs> well, that's Maury Haynes on the trumpet. Bill Farris plays a lot like him. Keep him away from here, then. Oh, don't be a Nicky, Uncle Moore. Nicky. As a matter of fact, he happens to be coming here to dinner tonight. We're putting him up for the weekend. Oh, he's the one who's sleeping in my little bed, huh? Oh, we couldn't ask a guest to sleep on a cot. He's the gent who's ordering the meals around here now, huh? Bill Farris. I've put up with a lot of things, my dear, but this is the first time I've ever had to play second fiddle to a cornet player. <laughs> It's been that so long now, it's curling up at the edges. Well, I'm curling up at the edges, too, Bertie. We've waited long enough for this star border of ours. Let's eat. Oh, I guess we'll have to. I told him 7 o'clock. There he is. That's him. I'll go, Bertie. Leroy, I'll go. Leroy. Oh, do let me go. Never mind looking in the mirror, Mark. The guy's waiting. Hiya, sugar. Well, hello. She hadn't seen him since 4 o'clock this afternoon. Come right in. I don't care if I do. Well, I do. Sorry I'm late. I had to stop off to close the deal. Say, this isn't a bad little dump you got here. Yeah, thanks. Who's your fat friend? Uh, this is Mr. Farris. Just call me Bill. And this is my uncle, Mr. Gildersleeve. Hiya, Jack. Just call me Mr. He's a character, isn't he? Hey, hey, Warren. Oh, yes, this is my little brother. Hiya, Slat. Uh, hi, Mr. Farris. You know something? What? 
I think you've got a swell band. I listen to you every time you're on the radio. Well, that hardly comes under the heading of news, bud. They all listen to me. You listen to any of the bands today, Eddie Francis, Goonie Myers, Maury Haynes, they all steal from me. Oh, yeah. but I love Maury Haynes, don't you? Maury Haynes, don't make me sick. What's that guy got? No talent? Nothing. Yeah. Well, I can blow more trumpet with my left ear than he can blow with his mouth. Maury Haynes. Why, well, could have been right up where Maury Haynes is today, cleaning up. Then why aren't you? I'll tell you why, just to give you an idea of what you're up against in this business. Maury Haynes and I auditioned for the same radio program a while back. There's no question which is the better band, but it so happens that the sponsor's got a crotch on I Don't Want to Walk Without Your Baby. Well, I don't happen to have it in the books. Maury has. Oh, I love it, though. Well, I see i got to educate you, sugar. I wouldn't be caught playing that tune in a dogfight. Uh, what's the matter with it? It's a lot of corn. That guy, Haynes. If it wasn't for that broken-down ballad, where would he be today? Well, I... I rather like it. Well, the more joy... I don't want to... I think it's got something. <laughs> well, don't sing it around me, brother. I can't take it. Yeah. Excuse me, Miss Marjorie. Dinner's ready and then some. Oh, right. Yeah, do you mind if we sit right down, Mr. Ferris? I'm afraid we'll be late for the day. Oh, I couldn't eat anything. Matter of fact, I got a little hungry, so I grabbed a bite on the way over. Oh, well, you don't mind if we grab a bite. <laughs> After waiting for you for an hour. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Eat your head off. Don't mind me. Murder. <laughs> well, come on, gorgeous. You don't want to eat now. I got the car waiting outside. If you get hungry, we'll stop at a bean wagon. Oh, that would be fun. If Uncle Mort doesn't mind. No, he doesn't mind. Coming, will you ride? Okay. Hey, will you give me a lesson on the puppet, Mr. Harris? I can blow up. You go. Well, some other time. Hey, don't stay up too late, Pop. If Pop? Jump this bag in my room when you go upstairs, will you? Oh! <laughs> Uh, Hooker, watch this drive now. Head down, wrist locked, left arm stiff, come back slow and... Seventeen hundred yards right to the pin. (laughs) Now we come to the water hole. Watch me drive this one across the sleepy lagoon. Even sleepy lagoon. Where's all that racket? What's going on out here? Oh, they must be back from the dance. This is a fine time for Sleepy Lagoon. I'll go down there and put that goon to sleep. Oh! They'll never get me in a folding cot again. (laughs) (laughs) Where's that light switch? Oh, my poor little pinkies. Where's that door? It was here last night. Oh, oh, I'm in the sewing room, yeah. Oh, here it is. Quiet down there, quiet! All right, if I gotta go out there. Boy, that was solid, Bill. Now let me try it. Okay, son, blow your brains out. Uh, Remember, take the second valve on that highway. Yeah. Leroy, you skin right upstairs as fast as your little legs can carry you. I told you to be in bed by 10.30. Is it that late, Uncle? It's 2.30 and you know it. Look at your eyes. They're popping out. 
Now, get up there. Yes, Uncle. Oh, I'm sorry, Uncle Mort, if we disturbed you. My window is right over the porch here. Okay, I won't play anymore. Go climb into your snuggle bunny. <laughs> snuggle bunny. <laughs> Why don't you take that sour cornet and turn it in for scrap? It's fellas like you are holding up the war effort. <laughs> you better come up pretty soon, my dear. Right away, Uncle Mort. As soon as I turn out the light. Oh, what's your hurry? You can sleep any time. Now, let's park on the swing here and take a gander at the moon. Well... Just for a minute. It's awfully late. Well, move over. Let's get acquainted. Well, I, uh, I really must go. Oh, nonsense. I don't come to town every day, you know. Say, I hope you're not one of those old-fashioned types. Well, no. Well, move over. <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> Take a look at that moon. You? you know, that moon was just made for you and me. You know, I really must... No, don't say anything. Don't spoil it. <laughs> nice out here, isn't it? Uh-huh. Marjorie! <laughs> Let's get back to the great Gildersleeve. After a hard night in the sewing room, he comes down to breakfast with murder in his heart and circles under his eyes. Oh, what a night. I think I'll just have a poached egg this morning, Bertie. Yes, sir. Uncle Mort, I'm, I'm sorry about last night. Really, I am. I tried to... Think nothing of it, my dear. Think nothing of it. What's a mere golf trophy, trophy compared to one night of giddy pleasure? Oh, Uncle Mort. Oh, well, I guess I'll just give up the game. It would have been nice to win a cup, though, just once before I die. Oh, Uncle Moore, don't talk like that. You're going to win. Anybody at home? Oh, it's Judge Hooker. Come in, Judge. He always comes for breakfast. What does he want? I suppose he came over here to gloat. Oh, gloat yourself. Morning, Marjorie. Why, Judge, what's the matter with your leg? Attack of gout. I've got it bad. Did you say gout? What'd you think I said? Can't you see it's killing me? Oh, Judgy, that's a shame. Yeah, something I ate. It kept me awake the whole night. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Hey, Bertie, cancel that egg. I think I'll have some hot cakes and sausages. Yes, sir. What'd you say, do a day? Yeah, cancel it. Oh, shucks, I went and posted. <laughs> Never mind, bring it on. I'll eat it anyway. Care to join me in an egg, Judge? No, thanks. Oh, it's too bad about your foot, Judge. That'll kind of spoil your game, won't it? Yes, I'm afraid we'll have to postpone the match, Throckmorton. What do you mean, postpone it? You either play it or forfeit it. Now, Gildy, you wouldn't want to win that cup by default. Well, it's tough luck, Judge. You but... wouldn't want people saying you took advantage of a fellow when he ate a lobster. You should have thought of that before you ate the lobster. Oh, have a heart, Gildy. You know I can't walk around that course. Hi, Jackson. How's the kid? I'll just leave. You've got the nerve to ask me that. Are you, Judge? What's the argument? Well, maybe you can settle it for us. You know anything about golf? Oh, oh, do I know anything about golf? Don't make me laugh. Well, I've got the gout. I can't play today, and Gildersleeve here claims I have to forfeit the match. Well, that's easy. I'll play it for you. If you? Oh, no, you won't. Why not, Gildy? It's better than a default. Oh, he's afraid, that's all. I am not afraid. I'll play this fellow if that's the way you want it. All right, Fatso, let's get going. Yes, sir. <laughs> 
Ferris. This is our first tee. We're rather proud of this hole. Yes, it's 485 yards with a trap to the right of the green. <laughs> Better watch out for those woods at the left, too. Never mind the diagrams, Pop. Just show me the flag. Uh, Pop. Where's that driver? Keep your eyes peeled now. This one's going a long way. Oh, my goodness. Gee, that was a beaut, Bill. It must be 300 yards. 310. That's the longest drive in the history of this hole. It was just a lucky fluke, I hope. All right, Pop, I gave you something to shoot at there. Whip out the old pile driver and see if you can knock the ball off the tee. Don't worry about me, Ferris. I'll show you a drive. Hand me that club, Leroy. Here, Aaron. And, and give me a ball. Here. You better give me the good ball. Oh. <laughs> there. Now stand back, son. I've got a lot of things to remember here. Uh, head down, wrist locked, left arm stiff, and come back slow. <laughs> you uh, forgot one thing, Pop. You forgot to hit the ball. <laughs> Leroy, remember you're tattying for me. You laugh at my jokes. Watch this now. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. I'll see you boys in the clubhouse after the first nine. Your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen. Latest results after eight holes of the final round match between Trump Morton T. Gildersleeve and Bill Paris, who is substituting for Judge Hooker. Gildersleeve is two down. Well, may the best man win. Am I away? Go ahead and pop. What are you getting down your knees for, Unc? You gonna pray? No, my boy. This is the ninth hole. I'm taking no chances. I'm gonna sight this putt very carefully. Come on, come on. All right, all right. One side, Leroy. Uh, take that pin out. Uh, quiet now. Uh, sighted putt sank same. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like I'm going to win this hole, Ferris. Not if I sink this 25-footer. It'll be a tie. Brother, if you sink that putt, I'll buy you a lunch. It's a deal. Hold your breath. Loose. Come on, Fatso. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> Another piece of pie? No, not for me, Pops. Light lunch is best when you got another nine to play. Light lunch, three pieces of pie. Well, maybe I guess you're right. Mr. Gillsleeve, can I show you some French pastry? Uh, no, thanks, Garçon. Light lunch today. Uh, you got it right there with you, though, haven't you? Yes, sir. Uh, that little chocolate house looks pretty good. <laughs> What's inside of that? Just a light filling, Mr. Gillsleeve. Oh, fine. You can give me the chocolate house. Uh, yes, sir. Which one? You might as well give me both of them. <laughs> Oh, hello, Judge. What do you want? I just wanted to make sure you're eating your head off as usual. Well, Mr. Ferris, you think you can beat him worse this afternoon you did this morning? Oh, sure. I didn't have the feel of my clubs this morning. You hear that, Gildy? I ought to shoot better than 37 on a dinky little nine-hole course like this. Yep. No, just a minute, Ferris. You can't come to Summerfield and knock our golf course. You're right, Gildy. Oh, take it easy, fellas. It's a cute little course. If you like croquet. Um, croquet, nothing. 
I'll have you know that Walter Hagen played this course, and he said it was wonderful. The Hag said that? Yes. He said, I've never played on anything like it in my life. <laughs> Those were his exact words. They sounded better even when he said them. Well, I still say if this is a good course, I'm Bobby Jones. Well, you listen to me, Jones. Oh, Ferris. I'm just sore enough to make you eat those words. I'm two down to you on the first nine, right? I'll bet you $50 that I win this match. Did I say that? $50? Hey, Uncle, you off your stick? Yeah, I must be. No, by golly, I said $50 and I'm going to stick to it. What about it, Paris? It's a bet, Pop. I never hope to make 50 bucks any easier. Come on. Wait till I eat this last roof. Maybe she'll bring you luck. Uh, quiet, Leroy. Ferris is about to drive. <laughs> How's it going, Leroy? Uncle Mort just bent his shirt, and it's already hanging out. <laughs> Never mind that shirt. Give me that driver. All right. Head down now. Left arm stiff. Oh, nuts to that. Slam it. Wonderful, <laughs> Uncle Mort. What? I needed food. That's all I needed, food. <laughs> Your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen. Latest results on the final round match between Gildersleeve and Paris. Gildersleeve has staged a great rally, and the players reached the 18th tee all even. They're playing the deciding hole now. And once more, <laughs> may the best man win. You know something, Monk? I think Paris has been cheating on the last two holes. Cheating? Oh, no, my boy. He wouldn't do a thing like that. Still, he's a cornet player. <laughs> yeah, I know for a fact he forgot to count a couple of his shots. He did? Why, that's terrible. Hurry up, Fatso. Let's get this over with. All right, all right. Go ahead. It's your shot. Uh, give me that club. <laughs> ah, there. Right smack on the green. Pop that butterball. Butterball. Nah, now don't let him get you go, Rush. Here's your club. All right, my boy. Here goes. Look out! <laughs> now, see here, you deliberately did that to make me miss. I did not. I was talking to my caddy. If you weren't such a little fellow, I'd knock the suffings out of you. I mean, if you weren't such a big fellow. <laughs> Quit squawking. Let's get going. Uh, move over, Leroy. Okay, Unc. Don't worry. I know a way to fix him. What's that? It, never mind. Let me shoot first. Uh, Gosh, Junk, you're only six inches from the pin. Yeah, come on, Leroy, Marjorie, we'll win this thing yet. What were you saying, Leroy? If he's going to cheat, we can take care of him. Oh, no, nothing unsporting, my boy. Can't have anything like that. Are you sure it'll work? <laughs> Don't you worry, Uncle Mort, just leave it to me. Yeah. Well, Pop, looks like you'll be home in five, but if I make this putt, I'm down in three and the match is over. Yeah, I can't deny it, Ferris. It's only a six-foot putt. Uh, Want to concede it? Concede? Brockmorton P. Gillis leave concede? Never. There's a principle involved. What principle, Uncle? Fifty bucks. <laughs> That's the spirit, Uncle Mort. Well, have it your way, kids. The cup means nothing to me, but all that cash. <laughs> Hand me my putter, son. Do it now, Leroy. Now. Okay. I don't want to walk yeah. without yeah, yeah. you. Quiet. I told you I can't stand that song. Quiet. The boy is just musically inclined. <laughs> Go right ahead and putt. Uh, darn kid. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I missed it. But if I sink this one, I still win. Oh, yes, I can still lose. Go ahead. I 
Say, Paris, if you miss once more, maybe I'll win. Don't huh? worry. Watch this one. Yeah. That's no fair. I didn't make a sound. No, but I thought you were going to. <laughs> Say, if I make this putt, I win, don't I? Bill, quiet now. You victory. Throckmorton, I'm glad you won. It was worth two dollars to see you beat that stuck-up trumpet player. Horace, you're a pal. Come on, let's get up there to that 19th hole, huh? I, I don't want to golf without you. No, no sorry. How do you like my trophy, Bertie? My, sure looks handsome up there, Mr. Gilsleeve. Just what the mantle needed. But I thought they were going to give you a cup. Well, none of the clubs are giving cups anymore, Bertie. The government needs the medal for scrap. But this is a very valuable Ming vase. It's gorgeous, all right. Yeah, you should have seen how I want it, Bertie. I was lying about 50 feet from the hole, you see? Yeah. <laughs> Here, give me that club. All right. Yeah, thank you. I'll show you. I took my trusty number five iron. I swung it easy like this. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Original music heard on this program was composed and conducted by Billy Mills. This is Frank Fingman speaking for the makers of Paxet and inviting you to tune in again next week at the same time for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nightbeat, followed by the Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.